It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions every day of basketball and hockey playoffs. DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free for you to get a shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's game and track your results throughout the evening. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network for Thursday, May 27th. Ian Cameron with you. Uh, We are hoping to be joined by both Jimmy Murphy and Alex B. Smith. Jimmy should be along momentarily. Alex B. Smith is getting the fuse box repaired in his place. And unfortunately, until that happens and until the guy gets there to fix it, he's without power. So uh, we're hoping that gets rectified before the end of the show. If not, we'll probably have to wait till, till tomorrow to see Alex again. Uh, but nevertheless, we're here with the uh, Thursday show, the Thursday edition of the Ice Guys. We have two game six, or actually two elimination games on tap tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. One is a game five between the uh, Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Montreal trying to avoid elimination. And the other is game six between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Nashville Predators with the uh, Nashville Predators looking to stave off elimination uh, on home ice. So uh, excited to break those down. Before we do, let's get into last night's action. Uh, the first game last night was the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders. And look, a very disappointing, frustrating, infuriating series loss for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because you look at that series, you did a lot of things right. I thought game one, they carried the play most of it. What happened? They lost the game. Uh, game two Islanders were a lot better or, uh, you know, in the or actually game two, the Penguins won uh, game one. You know, the Penguins had that opportunity to win that game. I thought they were the better team for the large part. The third period was probably the one period you could say the Islanders won in game one, but Pittsburgh, I thought carried the play in game one. They lost the game. Uh, they did bounce back in game two. They did win game three uh, game four. The Islanders deserved it. They dominated. So two, two. You know, and you're thinking to yourself, Pittsburgh after 2-2 in that series, going home for two of the last three games, going into game five, that you're suddenly feeling pretty good. You know, you you played well in game one that you didn't win. You played well in game two. You played well in game three. You really had one terrible game in the first four games with the series tied 2-2, and that was game four. That was the one game for sure in this series where you can say, 
you know what? The New York Islanders completely dominated us. They were fully, hands down, the better team start to finish. No question about that. So still, you, you like the position you're in. You know, you should have won game one. You didn't. You did win game two. You did win game three. And the one game you were thoroughly outplayed, you lost game four. So you're still liking the spot you're in going into game five. And the Penguins do all the right things in game five. They're just pounding shots at the net. They are generating tons of quality, high-danger scoring chances, tons of great looks, playing in the offensive zone, having the puck more often than the New York Islanders did, doing all of the right things in Game 5 in Pittsburgh, and then all of a sudden, your kryptonite through the entire series. And look, I'm not one to put the uh, – the, uh, it's a team game. I fully accept that. I fully understand that. And nobody gets it more than I do. But this series was lost almost, almost single-handedly by Tristan Jari. It's got to be said. It, you can't sugarcoat it. You can't sweep it under a rug. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Tristan Jari subverted this series for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's exactly what happened. He shit the bed through this entire fucking series. That's what happened. The goaltending was piss poor piss poor you can't even sugarcoat how bad it was throughout this entire series for Tristan Jari and you hate to really pile on on someone you know he's feeling terrible today for his performance in this series but he was absolutely dreadful and you knew the beginning of the end might have been near for the Pittsburgh Penguins with that awful giveaway in overtime of Game 5. Again, another game where Pittsburgh's doing all the right things. They're having the puck. They're they're, they're generating chances. Uh, and all of this good stuff is happening for them. Uh, and unfortunately, Sorokin was great. They didn't finish enough. And then the New York Islanders, the few chances they get go in the net because it's the red light district in Tristan Jari's world in this series. That's essentially what it was. Um, and of course, the giveaway to Josh Bailey, they lose they lose that game in overtime. And even yesterday, now's the best part. This is the best part of this whole thing. Game six, last night, Pittsburgh, facing elimination, did what I thought they would. Coming out of that gate strong, I had Pittsburgh in the first period last night. I didn't fully trust them to win the game, but they had the first period I thought they would. An early quick goal from Jeff Carter. Thank you, by the way, for the plus 300 prop winner, Jeff Carter. Uh, with that goal. Thank you very much. one nothing Penguins. Great start. Teams come to play. Facing elimination. Backs against the wall. All of this stuff. Couldn't have asked for a better start. Couldn't have dreamed for a better start from the Pittsburgh Penguins. You got momentum. You're taking it to the New York Islanders. You're peppering Ilya Sorokin with a bunch of shots. And then the first chance that the Islanders truly get, yeah, a little bit of a breakdown. Anthony Beauvillier in on the right wing side to the net unimpeded but the backhand roof job over oh yeah the glove hand the glove hand of Tristan Jari that apparently is completely and utterly useless uh, in this series that glove hand you know at this point with the way that glove hand has been had been completely exploited by the New York Islanders in this series you, you know he almost be better off not even wearing a fucking glove on his hand in this series it would be every bit as effective it really would I mean, it was absolutely atrocious how every shot was beating him over that glove to the high side and give the Islanders credit for figuring it out. They knew that was a weakness. They knew that was a problem for Tristan Jari, stopping anything to his glove side, and they targeted it. They zoned in on it. That's good 
coaching by the Islanders, and that's good awareness and recognition by the New York Islanders to say, this guy can't stop shit over his glove side. We got to keep shooting in that area. And that's exactly what they did uh, in that game and throughout that entire series. So they tie it 1-1, and you're like, oh, boy, Jari can't hold the lead. And then Pittsburgh answers with a power play goal, Jake Gensel 2-1. And for my first period bet, I'm feeling good again. Penguins are up 2-1. You got a chance here. And then sure enough, right back down again, hideous rebound on the second Islanders goal that ties the game. Awful rebound. Kicks it right out back to Paul Mary, who punches it home. And it's 2-2. And once again, you got to be shitting me. The Penguins are controlling the play. They got all the shots right now. They've got most of the quality chances. And the couple the Islanders have had have found the back of the net. And it's 2-2. So that's frustrating. And of course, uh, you know, you see the period end that way. 2-2. Second period starts. Penguins, again, they're not deterred. They come out. They're strong. They're flying. They get that 3-2 goal. Things are looking very, very promising again for the Penguins. They get the lead back. Uh, Penguins, again, their forward, Scrosby, had a strong game, I thought. He was working. His legs were moving. He was hard to get the puck from. We know Jeff Carter had the first goal. He was good. You know, Rust and Gensel, you know, made impacts. They had their chances. They contributed. Pittsburgh's got momentum. Their four-check game is working. They're in the offensive zone. Lots of good things uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, of course, Islanders come back down the ice, and here they go, 3-3 in the net. And I'm thinking at that point, that's it. Mike Sullivan, that's it. I understand you got a conundrum on your hands here. Casey DeSmith's injured. I get that. He's your backup. You got to get this guy the hell out of the net. You know, enough is enough. You got to do it. And I said at 3-3, we've given him chances to protect three leads. Three leads. Three leads. We've given him that chance. And he didn't protect any of them. And instead, they keep him in there. And the Islanders are still getting momentum. Now the game is starting to turn. The game is starting to turn. 4-3. That's actually the one goal that I thought, you know, not much he could do there, Jari, uh, on the fourth Islanders goal. And then the backbreaker. Brock Nelson through the old wickets, through the old five hole, just barely seconds later. And bang, it's 5-3 Islanders. And I'm thinking, wow. Jari again, a weak goal. It's been the uh, basically the MO of this entire series for him, right through the wickets, a, a goal you just cannot give up at that time of the game to fall behind two goals. So then at 5-3, Mike Sullivan uses a timeout. Calm everybody down, rally the troops, and I'm thinking, all right, he's using his timeout, and now Jari's finally going to get pulled. And I'm thinking, great, all right, settle the team down, get this hot mess of a goaltender out of the net and put someone in there else in there. You know, put put someone else in there, put anyone else in there. So then the timeout, and I see the Penguins players, they're huddling around the bench. Sullivan and the coaching staff, they're talking on the bench to the players like, hey, 5-3, come on, we're playing well. We're doing a lot of good things here. Stick with it. There's lots of time left. All of this stuff. And then players break from the bench. And I was like, all right, Jari's gone. And then the players go back to the ice. And there's Jari going back into the net. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Tristan Jari back in that. After all that, after all of that, he is back in the net. I was shocked by that. I couldn't believe that. Completely inept goaltending. Series, season, slipping away from you. And the guy that can't stop a beach ball is back in the net. If I'm Maxime Legacy, you know what I'm thinking? How much does this coach think of me that he can't even put me in right now? 
How much does he think of me? I'm only a guy that started a handful of regular season games in this league, going back to Vegas with the Golden Knights, started a bunch of games, played well in some of them. I started one regular season game for the Penguins this year. One. Do you know what it was for Maxime Legacy? What was that one regular season start? What was it, you might ask? Do you know what it was? It was a 29-save shutout. It was a 29-save shutout by Maxime Legacy against the Buffalo Sabres. That's what it was. That guy somehow you don't think is as good as this guy and the way he's played in this series, Tristan Jari? I couldn't believe it. Like, how little, how little do you think of Maxime Legacy to not even give him a sniff in the net in that situation last night? Holy gosh. I mean, my goodness. This is now an NHL, folks, where we often criticize coaches for having, you know, too short of a leash on the goalie, that he pulls them too quickly. But holy mackerel, this leash, this leash was as long as the border between Canada and the United States, apparently, for Tristan Jari uh, in this series. And to see Mike Sullivan stick by this guy consistently, I get it. You don't have DeSmith there. And you maybe, like I say, you're concerned about the lack of playoff experience. But you've got you're at the point now where I'm I'm pretty damn sure and confident that I would be willing to trust anybody else but Tristan Jari for the rest of that hockey game once it got to 5-3 in favor of the New York Islanders. But hey, I'm not the coach. Mike Sullivan clearly disagreed, clearly didn't see it my way. Um, And now the Pittsburgh Penguins. And look, before I completely, you know, just rail on the bad goaltending of Jari, I do want to acknowledge how good and sound and structured and they never, you know, they never get deterred. They just stick with it. They just keep on coming. That's the way the New York Islanders play. And full marks to them. They're very well coached. They're very good defensively. And they just kept at it. You know, they basically, you know, capitalized on piss poor, horrendous goaltending. Horrendous by Tristan Jari throughout this entire series. And they got the job done. And their own goalie, Ilya Sorokin, was magnificent. and. Credit to Barry Trotz. He basically sat down a veteran who's been here a few years now in Semyon Varlamov and basically said, you know what? We've got something with the kid here. He's played well. And Ilya Sorokin got the net and and ended up playing extremely well uh, in the net. See, Varlamov was shaky in game two, which was the game the Pittsburgh Penguins lost. Unlike Mike Sullivan who acted like a numbnuts in this series in terms of his goaltending, you know, he got Varlamov out of there. And he said, I'm going to turn to the kid. The moment that he saw that Varlamov was not himself, was not right, was not on top of his game. We did not see that from Mike Sullivan. He just stuck with Jari. He's He gave him, he just, look, I understand you got to give him some time to work through it. He's earned that right. He did have a very good, very good portions of his regular season. But this series has been a nightmare from him, right from the opening puck drop of game one. And your season is slipping away, and you don't ever make a change. That's that's something I cannot and I will not accept. Can't accept that. And you look at Crosby, and you look at all these guys and the post-game press conference, the effort. 
Jeff Carter, in his late 30s, the effort, the incredible series he had, and it goes to an absolute waste. It goes right down the garbage chute because your goaltender couldn't stop a goddamn thing. That's a really sad thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Really sad because I thought they could have had a better fate in that series if they got a couple saves. Clearly, they did not get those. And unfortunately, uh, they're done as a result. Having said all of that, let's give the Islanders their props. They're a good team. They are structured, they're very well coached, and they are going to be a handful for the Boston Bruins in what should be a very good, very uh, hard, heavy, physical uh, series coming up uh, in the East Division Final uh, between the Boston Bruins and the New York Islanders. It is a fantastic time now to bring in uh, Jimmy Murphy because I need to calm myself down a little bit uh, after that. It's okay. Uh, absolute okay. debacle uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. Seeing this team play a good enough series to win the series, in my opinion, they did. And the stats will back me up on that in terms of chances and shots and all that stuff. But the goaltending, let's be honest, it's single handedly, uh, it basically subverted this series. Yeah. And basically, uh, it, it really did. And it's, it's tough. And this is going to be a tough day. This is going to be a tough few weeks for Tristan Jari, but he's got to own it. Like he was just terrible throughout this series and it cost the penguins in the end uh, jimmy what are your final thoughts penguins and islanders well you know i mean you pretty much summed it up there and by the way i i really enjoyed that rant and it was great you kept me backstage because it, it allowed me to sneak in my lunch i i haven't hardly eaten anything today so that there was i'm yeah, very thinking of your appetite it's not my anger it's your appetite and your well your i want to make sure you get your nutrition yes, exactly exactly and if, if anger and inventing helps that then that's that's fine with me, but no, you're absolutely right. But the one thing I'll say is, well, that's factually right. I think what's also factually right is it's not Kristen, Tristan Jerry's fault. I blame Mike Sullivan, just like you did. He doesn't decide when he should be pulled or not pulled. He's a young goalie. He's not some veteran goalie like a Tuka Rass who's going to shake off a coach when he gives him a nod to come off for the backup. He's not in that position. So Mike Sullivan has all the power here. Or does he? Maybe there was something coming up from above. I don't know, but it seems to me that you know this was a Jerry is a uh, Jim Rutherford guy, right? He's he's the guy that uh, that Rutherford chose over Matt Murray, and also chose not to bring in any veteran netminder with experience for situations like this. So they aren't depending on legacy. And, and you know, I agree with you. I think it's a total slap in the face to legacy. He deserved to go in there. The time was right. You just put him. You could have even put him in and calmed the game down. And, and put Jerry back in and giving him a breather. It didn't even have to be permanent for that game or any of those games. It could have just been something like that. I just think there was a complete mishandling. I I don't know. I'm not going to put it solely on Sullivan. My my take, my impression is it is totally on him, but I don't know if anything came from management. But bottom line is it's the team handling of Jerry that lost this series and not specifically just Tristan Jerry himself. And, you know, there were some breakdowns as well. Let's let's not hide it, hide that. And, you know, I mean, John Marino coming out of his zone looked like the puck was a hot potato every time. It was ridiculous. So there were some turnovers there that, you know, they, they need to own as well. Um, but, yeah, it's got to be frustrating, especially if you're Sidney Crosby and, and of Jenny Malkin and, you know, Chris Letang, where you know this could be it for that core and they could get split up in this offseason. Um, you know, I'm hearing from my buddy Dan Kongerski at Pittsburgh Hockey now that maybe the addition of Jeff Carter prolongs that core there a bit more because Carter, I think, has a year or two left on his contract. 
So maybe when they acquired him, they were envisioning at least one more shot with this core. But I mean, time's running out on them. And, and, you know, it's just embarrassing the first round exits they've had when they've had better teams than a first round exit dictates. So I'd be ticked off. I feel for Melissa Cunningham. I feel for my friends in the Penguins organization and all my friends that are Penguins fans. Uh, that's just frustrating because that series could have easily gone seven. And then, you know, whatever happens in game seven, you can't really blame anyone. It's anyone's series then. But that's uh, that's an underachievement, I think, on the Pittsburgh Penguins side. And that's not to deflect, I mean, or kind of downplay what the Islanders did. They played a great series. They've been in playoff hockey mode, unlike the Penguins, throughout that series. And they're going to give the Boston Bruins all they can handle. I, I think, you know, my early prediction right now uh, in the last, you know, 12 hours or so is that this series is going seven. I like the Bruins to win it in seven, but I think we could see just like we have in Carolina and Nashville. I think we're going to see home team wins every game at home uh, type series. Now that could change obviously in that game tonight with Carolina and Nashville, but I, I think that's the type of series we're headed for because look at the advantage the Islanders have at home with that crowd. You can't tell me that didn't play a role there. It, it's just, you cannot deny how much of a role that crowd played. And it was awesome. It, it just, just drove me through the roof, excited about hockey again, excited about life again, because it felt normal again. And I love it. And now the Bruins are going to be able to be at almost 100%, which I'm hearing is going to be about 16,500 uh, for game one, whether that's Saturday or Monday. So that place is going to be rocking too. This is going to be a fun series. Yeah, it will. Uh, there's no question that Bruins Islanders series is going to be great. It's going to be competitive. It's probably going to be a long series. Yeah, and definitely uh, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, I was, I felt absolutely. And Melissa's, a, of course, a huge Penguins fan. I'm not even a Penguins fan, and I'm just feeling it's gut wrenching to watch Crosby and, and all of them in the post game press conference because they're looking at this and thinking, "What the fuck just happened? We did a lot of good things in this series. We carried the play more often than not, and yet we're going home in six games." Uh, because we just couldn't get a stop. I mean, he, I, the, Crosby's too classy to ever say anything disparaging about his goalie uh, publicly. He'll never in a million years do that. But deep down inside, he's thinking, our goalie let us down uh, in this series. Anybody on this Pittsburgh team will do. And if you're Maxime Legacy, like I said, these guys must think I'm some piece of shit goaltender for me to not even get you know this look. One chance, one crack, one shot in the net in this series with everything that went down. I mean, my God, my holy fuck, five goals allowed, five in a must-win game by Tristan Jari, five. And the fifth goal was the worst of all, maybe, through the wickets, through the five-hole. Close that five-hole up, man. Goaltending 101, right through the wickets. Brock Nelson, 5-3. They call the timeout. I'm thinking, here comes the change, and there's Jari just skating his way right back into the net. I'm like thinking, what's going on here? Does Maxime Legacy have incriminating visual evidence of Mike Sullivan committing murder or something? Like, what the hell is going on? What's going on? I mean, my gosh, you can't even get in now? With your season slipping away, series slipping away, everything slipping away. And he still couldn't get in the net. The guy that had a shutout for you during the regular season. Okay, it was against Buffalo. I get it. Oh, maybe you're a little afraid. The shutout did come against one of the worst teams in hockey. But he had a shutout. He did show an ability to play well. Um, and for Sullivan to just not even make a switch there, it's it's unbelievable. It's unfathomable what ended up happening there. Uh, but the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's a tough p- pill to swallow today. Good enough to win the series. 
the the entire team for the most part. They did have a couple giveaways. Jimmy's to Jimmy's point, like uh, John Marino didn't have his best series uh, on the blue line. There's no question, and they were running around at times. But anytime they needed a save from their goalie, they flat out did not receive it uh, in this series from start to finish, and that cost them. Uh, in the end and as a result islanders moving on and you're right jimmy that bruins islanders series look out uh it is going to be uh, a very fun physical i think it's going to be a rough series too because the islanders can play a little bit rough bruins can as well and it's fresh these 10 teams haven't met in the playoffs i believe since way back in time 83 right exactly yep. the islanders heyday yeah when they're in a the dynasty they uh they yep. lost Bruins lost to them in six games in the Wales Conference final. For all you youngins, the Wales Conference is now the Eastern Conference. So just so you know what that is. No, that's going to be good. It's fresh series. It's a fresh, you know, new. It's not Boston against the Flyers or the Capitals or the Rangers or the Toronto or the same old stuff. Yeah, we got something different now. Uh, Boston and the New York Islanders. And, hey, it's Boston, New York. You know, what else needs to be said, right? Uh, I know the Islanders are like the second or third team on the pecking order behind the uh, Rangers. Uh, in that area when it comes to hockey. But still, uh, having an Islanders Bruins series uh, will be a lot of fun. Uh, what else did we see last night uh, in the NHL? We saw the uh, Florida Panthers get ousted uh, by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, look, that was the best, most complete offensive-defensive game combined by the Lightning in this series at the at the time they were hoping to see it. They suffocated Florida. Did Florida really get a ton of great looks at the slot area? right in front of the net. No, everything was to the outside. It was a brilliant defensive game by the Lightning. Give them credit. Uh, can't blame Spencer Knight. You know, a lot of breakdowns, and he kept his team in it for as long as he could. He's still got a bright future ahead of him. Look, Tampa Bay is just too deep, too good at this point in time when they play like that. And Vasilevsky was outstanding. Stamco scores on the power play. Uh, Braden Point with the uh, game, the goal that pretty much sealed the deal and put the dagger uh, in the heart of the Florida Panthers. So Tampa Bay advances. Uh, look, they bring that game, the rest of the playoffs. Tampa Bay's got every chance to defend their crown, in my opinion, as Stanley Cup champions. Don't sleep, uh, obviously, on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and that was a very nice uh, closeout of the Florida Panthers. And if you're the Panthers, smile. You know, the sun will rise again. There's a lot of good things on the horizon for the Florida Panthers with their forwards, with their defense, and, of course, with the young prospect and phenom who's only going to get better, Spencer Knight, uh, in goal. Uh, Jimmy, final thoughts on the uh, Panthers and Lightning as Tampa moves on. Yeah, and just say I apologize. I was a little distracted there. I've been getting some texts here trying to figure out the schedule. I am being told now by an NBC source, game one is definitely Saturday night for the Boston Bruins Islanders, which he hasn't answered the question yet. I said, well, so they're going to put a game seven potentially of uh, Predators Canes in the afternoon. That's kind of a shaft to them. I mean, if you ask me, they want the big markets at night. That's why. Yep. yep. Well, they want, yeah, they want the bigger markets at night. But I mean, why not just hold off Bruins uh, Islanders until Monday? I guess because they want to finish things as quick as possible. That must be it. So yep. it looks like if the Preds win, uh, game seven will be on a Saturday afternoon on Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, good luck with those ratings, NBC. Uh, so, I mean, if it's beautiful in either of those cities, like unless people can get the TV outside or something, I, I don't know. I think you're killing yourself. I think you should make game one Monday, no matter what. Like right now, just make game one Monday. Give the teams a little more rest, heal up the injuries, and make it on Monday. Uh, but then again, that would be like a 12-day 
uh, layoff for the Boston Bruins, or eight days actually for the Boston Bruins. So we have to keep in mind one thing too, Jimmy. NBC doesn't give two shits anymore. Hockey's not going to be on our dial anymore after this season anyway. So it's almost like they're saying, "Ah, mail it." Yeah, yeah, but but it's a fifty-fifty split on on who on the decisions. They they split it right down the middle with with the league, which makes no. This is and this is why. Good luck to Turner and, and ESPN too. When you're dealing with a league that isn't going to grasp that nobody is going to be freaking watching this game on Memorial Day weekend on an afternoon on Saturday, maybe Monday afternoon because everybody's nursing their hangovers and getting ready for work the next day, but not now. I, I just think that's a dumb idea, but that's what I'm being told. So uh, book your calendars. But yeah, as far as that Florida Panthers series, I, I'm with you. And you know, and, and our sister uh, website there, Florida Hockey Now, George Richards. He wrote exactly what you just said. I mean, the future, not even just the future, the present is good. They just gave the Tampa Bay Lightning almost everything they could handle. And speaking of bad goalie decisions by a head coach, if Coach Q would have played Spencer Knight instead of Chris Drieger after that first game that Bobrovsky shit the bed, then I think this series is going to seven games. I think maybe even the Panthers won this series already. I, I really do. I don't know what the whole goalie shuffle was about. I don't give a shit what people make against the salary cap. You play the goalie that gives you the best chance to win. And it was clear that was Spencer Knight heading down the stretch run of the season. And it should have just been done and over with. But, you know, they messed around and here they are. And, of course, you know, you got Tampa on the other side who has Vasilevsky, who I don't think he's getting enough credit around the league right now. He probably is in Tampa. But, I mean, he was superb in this series, dominating as always. So that's scary for any team that has to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. But, the future is already here for the Florida Panthers. They're a contender now, and they can look forward to that going, you know, going into next season. The biggest question will be, what do they do with goalie Bob? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, they're. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna at least explore moving them, but it's not going to be easy. That is a big ticket, and, yeah. and that's not a ticket that people are going to want to take after this kind of seasons he's had seasons maybe now Seattle. in Florida. Maybe yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're about uh, the maybe, only. One. That's right. Maybe they'll maybe they'll take a chance on him. But you're right. Mike Sullivan can take a few notes. He's got to sit down and take a few notes here with look, Quenville figured it out eventually, but he probably right. should have Good done point. it earlier. But Barry Trotz, what did he do when he saw Varlamov, the first sign of shakiness? Sit him in game two when they lost to the Penguins. Sit yep. him down, go with Ilya Sorokin. He won for us in game one, and he rode Sorokin the rest of the series after that. You know, what on what is um uh, what has Sheldon Keefe done with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, Jack Campbell's been awesome. He's been too good. We got to keep going to him in the playoffs. Even we got to sit the the guy that's making the big bucks, the veteran Frederick Anderson. Because look, who's given us the best chance to win right now? Jack Campbell, and that's a stuck to his guns. Keefe with that, and look at what we're seeing with Toronto. Look at Sorokin uh, with the New York Islanders. The way he's played. Look at Ndelkovich down there in Carolina. They could have gone back to Morozik, you know, for the start of this series, but he's. He hasn't been quite as sharp, and he's also had a lot of injuries this year. The kid was great, Nadelkovich. We're rolling with him here in the playoffs. Brindamore doing the right thing. So you're right. I applaud the coaches that have the guts to say, you know, the number one guy or the previous number one guy or the veteran number uh, number one guy, Varlamov with the Islanders, Anderson with the Leafs, Morozik with Carolina, sit your ass down. You're, you're good goalies, but we feel right now we're in a better position to win with some other guys. You know, with Sorokin, with Nadelkovich, with Campbell. Credit to those coaches for doing that. Uh, and like I say, Quenville did figure it out, but the problem is he waited till game six to figure it or game five to figure it out. 
Uh, that's the problem. And there was just too much shuffling before that. And and maybe Florida's got a better chance if they go to night earlier, but we'll never know. Uh, Tampa, I'm not so sure though, because Tampa Bay, boy, pretty damn good. The, the more that series went on and now they'll await the winner of Carolina Nashville uh, in the central division final. And then of course, the Minnesota Wild, Terry Edelman's Minnesota Wild. What a performance. I mean, what can you say? It was a tight game. There was not a lot of room to make plays out there on the ice last night through the first two periods. And then all of a sudden, a little bit of a giveaway and a turnover at the blue line, and that's what led to it. Leads to Minnesota's first goal, courtesy of the dogged, determined, and hardworking Ryan Hartman uh, to get the uh, Minnesota Wild on the board, one nothing. And then the big swing in the game was the Vegas disallowed goal. Clearly contact with Talbot. Not a lot of contact. And look, if it were me, they'd let that goal stand. But the rule is the rule. And the rule is that kind of contact is no goal. So I have no issue with the call, uh, you know, that it was no goal. I'm very, very, uh, 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 I didn't like the challenge from DeBoer because I didn't think he was going to win that challenge. But he challenged anyway. Uh, lost the challenge, so not, it isn't 1-1. It goes back to 1-0 Minnesota. They capitalized right away on the power play, 2-0. What a swing that was. The goal being disallowed, you lose the challenge, you give Minnesota a power play, and now you're down 2-0, and it could have been 1-1 uh, just a few minutes earlier. And that really took the wind out of the Golden Knights' sails. Uh, Minnesota kept on coming. They put the 3-0 goal away uh, at that point, and they ended up winning the game 4-0 with a terrific third-period performance uh, against the Golden Knights. And look, now all the pressure shifts to Vegas. You know, this is now uh, becoming a common occurrence for them that it's not easy for them to close out a team in the playoffs. They've struggled to do it the first couple of times. And now here we go back to Vegas. And I know that home ice is strong. The fortress is loud. The crowd will do everything in their power uh, to fuel the Golden Knights. I know they've got Max Pacioretty, I'm hearing, potentially waiting in the wings for a game seven return, save the season, save the team, so to speak. Uh, We'll have to wait and see on that, but I know the Golden Knights are potentially thinking of uh, having him ready to go for Game 7 on Friday night. Uh, But nevertheless, there's some serious momentum now uh, on Minnesota's side. They have belief now that they can uh, not only play with this Vegas team, but beat this team and win the series. And now we'll have to see what the Golden Knights are made of back on home ice in Game 7. And as far as I'm concerned, Jimmy, you know, Mark Stone's at a, a... Decent series, Marsh is so decent series. I think they could play better, and they've got to start getting something from here. Where's William Carlson? Where's Riley Smith in this series? Where are some of these guys for the Vegas Golden Knights offensively? Tuck's been pretty good. I can't blame him. Uh, But Smith and Carlson, who let's not forget, year one of this franchise had outstanding seasons, and they've just not contributed all that much for the Golden Knights. And now you see Minnesota on the flip side, Kaprizov starting to get it going. Fiala finally gets off the schneid with a big goal in the third period. There's things to like for Minnesota, and they've got all the momentum as we go to seven Friday night in Sin City, Jimmy. You know what? I like it. I, I like what what things look like right now for the Minnesota Wild. And look, I, I think that forecheck has really forced the, the Vegas defense. And I think we saw this throughout the season between these two teams. I think Minnesota did it the best, and they're doing it again in the playoffs. They force what is, let's agree, the greatest asset for the Vegas Golden Knights is that puck-moving defense. They force them to readjust on the fly a lot. They force them to uh, adjust their approach into the offensive zone or through the neutral zone. 
and, and it's working right now, and, and it's it's rattling that defense. They really aren't used to this. I don't, you haven't seen any other team really do that as much, and I think that's been the key for the Wild right now in every win. And if they can do that in Game 7, I do not see why they can't take home that series and advance to the second round. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. It's he's not back for sure, uh, Kyle. Asking about Pacioretty, it's just there, there's a potential for him to play his first game of this series for the uh, Vegas goal. And look, he is he has look. He's had I've had criticism of Max Pacioretty in the past, but they they could use him. He's had a great season. Uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, they need a little bit more offense, especially in the top six. Because look, they're one strong top six. It's got Stone still playing pretty well, and Marcia So's playing okay, and then they're not getting much else from anybody else in that top six right now. So they could use Max Pacioretty back for Game Seven. We'll have to wait and see if he suits up. Let's give Cam Talbot a ton of credit too. I, to Cam Talbot, I will always have his back. I will always support him. He's a ham, almost Hamilton guy. He's actually from Caledonia. Ontario, which is just outside of Hamilton. Um, good, good. Uh, I mean, he's had a nice career. He backed up Lundquist for years on the Rangers, wait, bided his time, waited for a starting opportunity, had pretty good playoffs with the uh, Flames last year in the bubble, got the uh, contract with Minnesota, got the chance to be a legit number one there. Uh, pretty solid regular season overall, more than solid, good regular season, and has been really strong here in this first round series. So props to Cam Talbot. Uh, playing great hockey in net for the Wild here uh, in this series. What a save he made in the third period when Vegas was still pressuring them uh, pretty well. Uh, so Game 7, we've, we're guaranteed, Jimmy, at least one Game 7 uh, here in the first round, uh, and it'll be Minnesota-Vegas uh, Friday night. Looking forward to it. Also looking forward to tonight. Uh, let's turn the page to tonight. Thursday night, we've got two games. We'll start with the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, win or go home. Uh, for the uh, Montreal Canadiens tonight, uh, we've got Toronto uh, minus uh, two eighteen, minus two twenty here, almost as home favorites. Five and a half the total, uh, shaded to the under. You know this this Montreal team just cannot find the back of the net. They cannot put the puck in the ocean. They have four goals in four games in this series, and that's the same amount of goals William Nylander alone for the Toronto Maple Leafs has in this series. So it's been a problem. Look, Defoley's got to find it. Like, this is a guy that's disappeared the last few games. Where's Tyler Toffoli for the Montreal Canadiens? Josh Anderson had a good game one, nothing since. Thomas Tatar, forget it. Yeah, totally non-existent. Brendan Gallagher, I can't fault him completely. He's had opportunities. He's had some really good looks. Stopped by Campbell, hitting the post a couple of times. Brendan Gallagher's trying to score, but the puck's just not going in right now uh, for him. And it's just not going in for this Montreal team. I think their defensive game has been decent enough. Carey Price has been really good in this series, really good for the Canadians. But you can't tell because they're down 3-1 in this series. But it's not at all the goaltender's fault. Goaltender can't score goals for you. Goaltender can't rush up the ice, lug the puck, and put it in the back of the net. Uh, that can't happen. So it is going to be up to the Montreal Canadiens to find some offense, to get this uh, power play going. What I'm shocked by is they didn't feed Cole Caulfield enough. Like I find he didn't have enough shots. They didn't have enough uh, output uh, in that other game, uh, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's not e and it's not easy to score against Toronto right now, Jimmy, because we've talked about it. They're, they're finally playing good team defense for the first time in years. They've got the guys to do it now, up and down their lineup. They've got forwards that play two ends of the ice, you know, that play a complete game. You've got blue liners that play with that physical, defensive-minded grit edge to them now. 
which they didn't have in years past. Montreal's got to work extra harder to find some offense tonight. Can they? We'll have to wait and see. You know, everything that you've seen, the eye test tells you Toronto continues to just, you know, get better and stronger in this series, and Montreal continues to just have a hard time scoring. Toronto's going to end it tonight. I think they probably will. But the one thing I know about the Leafs in this franchise is they don't do anything easily. And in a moment like this, where they can win their first playoff series in 17 years and finally put away and put aside a bunch of the disappointments that this team has had for the last, you know, 10 to 15 years in the playoffs, not even winning a single round. I don't expect this game or this series to end easily for them. I don't feel strongly about this game either way from a side perspective. I think I've given up on betting overs uh, in this series. Uh, I I would probably only look under with just the way Montreal has shown you no ability uh, to find the back of the net with the defensive discipline that Toronto's playing. And And another thing, Jimmy, about the under too is when Toronto gets a lead, they're not going after more goals. They are sitting on the lead. They're protecting the lead and they're playing defense first. So that concerns you too. You know, in terms of if you have any consideration for the over tonight. So I would only lean to the under, but I get the sense Montreal has one last real strong effort in them. And I could see this being a game that if Toronto wins it, it's not going to be easily. So I think you know where I might be going here. I also think we're kind of due for an overtime game in this series. And I'm going to sprinkle on that. That's going to be my one bet pregame in this uh, matchup tonight. Uh, Montreal, Toronto, draw plus 350 is what I got with that, you know, at uh, Bet365. Really good price. I think this is a tight game. I wouldn't put it past the Toronto Maple Leafs to finish the series tonight, but I do think it's going to be a tight one. I do think it'll be close. I think Montreal will throw their best punch they can at this Toronto team, and if the Leafs do win, I think it might require beyond 60 minutes to get the job done. So give me the draw here, plus 350. I think we get a close one tonight. Uh, between the Habs and the Leafs. Jimmy, what do you think? Game five, Montreal-Toronto. Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I guess if you lose in, five, uh, you lose in this amount of games, you, you are kind of going quietly into the night, but I don't think they'll go quietly into tonight. Uh, I, I think the Habs do give them a battle in this. I don't know if they can win, but what I do see is them coming flying out of the gate, shot out of a cannon in that first period and maybe having their best first period of this series. So that's why I like the three-way uh, line there for the Canadians in the first period. You get some great value. I'm looking at plus 285 for that right now. And I also like the under. Um, I, I think that, you know, Carey Price, obviously, he's been great in this series. This has not been his fault by any means. And I think that continues in this in this game. And you mentioned Campbell as well. So I think it's going to be a tight game. And you know what? If I was going to take something on the side too, I, you know, I might – I promised I wouldn't, so I won't, but I might lean towards the Habs extending this, and I could see overtime as well. But my official play is the three-way first period for the Habs. All right, and that is, by the way, that's not just Montreal plus 170 money line first period. Uh, Jimmy's going for that minus a half. So Mm -hmm. for Montreal to lead after the first period, which is plus 280, that is a hell of a price right there. Uh, Montreal to have the lead after the uh, first period. I'm going with the draw, uh, plus 350. And then I don't have to concern myself with who wins because you could see a scenario like Edmonton-Winnipeg. That's the that's the comparison I'm making. This game tonight to the uh, game that we saw uh, with the uh, Jets and the Oilers where we saw the uh, Oilers fight back in game four, push the game to overtime, and then still end up losing the game. That could happen tonight. Montreal battles, uh, competes, forces overtime, and then they lose in overtime. Um 
It's just difficult. I mean, it's difficult because you look at all these advanced numbers too. I got to bring this up here about this game tonight. Uh, last game, four nothing final for the Leafs. Apparently, in terms of the expected goals in for the entire game, that's five on five, and you know all the shorthanded situations. The expected goals were five point zero five to two point five one in favor of Toronto. That is a dominant edge. That is a dominant statistical advantage. At 5-on-5 five five alone, Toronto Maple Leafs, 2.8 to 1.76 uh, in terms of expected goals. Uh, so it has been, again, more than a one-goal edge in that category. Expected goals 5-on-5 five five in that game uh, for uh, four nothing shutout win for the Leafs. So, yeah, the shots were pretty close to even, but these aren't great looks that Montreal is getting. That's the problem. And when they do get those great looks, they're not burying them. So this is something that's going to have to change. And I don't know if I can bank on that changing because it's basically been the way the series has progressed the last couple, where it's been Toronto getting all the expected goals, Montreal not getting many, if any. Uh, And we'll see if that can change tonight. It's going to have to, uh, if Montreal is going to extend this series and send it back to uh, Montreal for game six on Saturday night. Uh, the second game, Carolina taking on Nashville. This has been a home ice series from the beginning. The home team has won every game. Carolina minus 140 here in this game. Road favorites in game six. Uh, the total uh, five and a half shaded to the under uh, in this game between these two teams. This one I do lean a little to the over at five and a half at a really good price, plus 120. You know, I do think we could see, we've seen a lot of fatigue, all right? Mm-hmm. Three straight overtime games. When you play that much hockey, and remember, the Sunday game was triple overtime. When you play that much hockey, you're going to see gaffes. You're going to see some breakdowns, some mental blunders, and those show up defensively more than anything else. So that's where you could see the physical and mental fatigue show up tonight. Some giveaways, some turnovers with the puck, and it could benefit the offense of both of these teams tonight. So Given that premise, I like over five and a half here tonight with uh, Carolina and Nashville. As far as the side goes, the gut feel, Jimmy, is this is the first time we're going to see a road team win in this series. I think Carolina's got the temperament mentality to close this out. And I'm going to go back to once again, expected goals in the last game. This is the ultimate rope-a-dope in this series from the Nashville Predators. They know they can't trade chances with Nashville. They got to just hang back, let Nat Carolina come at them, fire at them, and, and see if they can withstand the fort. But the last game, you know, expected goals 3.03 to 1.3. You know, we're talking about a game that went to overtime. And yet, in the expected goals statistic, Carolina's crushing Nashville in this series. They continue to crush Na- Nashville in that statistic. In this series, 3.03 expected goals to 1.03 in the last game. And at 5-on-5, 2.35 expected goals for Carolina. Only 1.27 expected goals for the Nashville Predators. It is statistically, and the eye test shows you, Carolina has been the better team in this series. But the problem has been, Soros has been good. They haven't capitalized on as many of their chances as they probably should have. And the few chances Nashville's had, they've taken advantage of some costly penalties at bad times by Carolina, and that's been the issue. Carolina's penalty trouble has really kept Nashville in this series, and Nashville's capitalized on some of those chances. So uh, you give them credit for that, uh, but I definitely think 
Um, Carolina's got it in them to go on the road and finally break the streak of home teams winning uh, in this series. So I'm, but I'm going to do something different tonight, <clears throat> and it pains me to do this and recommend a bet like this because you're going to say because I feel like a little bit of a chump to be honest with you recommending a bet like this because because it's minus two thirty, and you know me, I don't normally lay minus two thirty, and it's usually not something I have any interest doing. But I've now been burned more than a time or two in this series with these regulation bets and all of this stuff that I want to make sure I cover all of my bases here uh, in this game tonight. I really think Carolina can end it. If I were to bet money line full game in this game tonight, it would be Carolina minus 140. But here's what I am going to do. I'm going to bet what's called a draw or double chance bet. And what that is is Carolina minus 230 draw or double chance. It's the same kind of bet you can place on a soccer match, and I'll explain it. What this means is there are three of four possible results, possible outcomes in this game where I can win this bet. If Carolina wins in regulation, I win the bet. If Carolina wins in overtime, I win the bet. If Nashville wins in overtime, I win the bet. With this, Carolina draw double chance minus 230. The only way I can lose this is if Nashville wins in regulation tonight in game six. And what's the one thing that is yet to happen in this series? That's Nashville winning a game in regulation. The two Nashville wins were both in overtime uh, at home. I feel I've covered my basis. I don't see Nashville winning in regulation. If they do, I think it's probably in overtime again. And at the same time, if that does happen, I can still win the bet if Nashville wins in overtime. And obviously, a Carolina win in any form wins that bet for me as well. So this is Carolina, draw, double chance, minus 230. This is one of those bets you got to look more toward the European-based sports books to find it. It, it may not be at your uh, uh, any, many of your North American books, uh, but this is definitely something that I, I want the safety and the security. Because I'm not losing another Carolina regulation bet here. I, I refuse to do it like I did the other night. Uh, this covers all the bases. Three out of four possible results are in my favor. Give me a Carolina win in any form, that bet wins. Give me Nashville in overtime, that bet wins. The only way I lose is Nashville in regulation. And like I said, the Preds have not won a game in regulation yet uh, in this series. So for me, Carolina, draw double chance. Got to pay a premium. Got to pay up minus 230. But it is a pretty... Uh, steady, sturdy bet, in my opinion, because I think one of those three results is exactly what's going to happen tonight. But if you ask me, Carolina will end it tonight, in my opinion. But I just want that security in case it's another Nashville and overtime victory like it was in the previous two games in Nashville uh, in this series. So uh, a unique approach. I don't generally like laying a price that big, but I'm making an exception because of the way the flow of this series has been. Jimmy, what do you think tonight? Game six, Nashville, Carolina. Well, I think it's just an update, by the way, guys. Uh, NHL has just confirmed exactly what I told you regarding the Islanders Bruins schedule. Game one, 8 p.m. at TD Garden on Saturday night. Um, as far as this, I, I like Nashville. I think the home, the home trend, let's go. Let's keep her going here. Yep. Uh, I want to see a game seven, too. So give me Nashville on the money line. I definitely could see an overtime this. I like that. I might, might dabble a little in what you just proposed there, Ian. That's an interesting bet. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, but right now, I'm going to give you an official play of the National Predators on the money line. 
All right, Nashville money line. And that's the way I was going. Like I say, I, if I'm going to take Carolina, I've got to have that overtime protection because this could be another overtime game. And if I didn't like that bet or was unwilling to lay minus 230, I'd probably bite the bullet and take Nashville, especially as someone that's got Carolina minus one and a half games riding on this game tonight. Like I, I need Carolina to end the series tonight. You know, if I'm going to win that Carolina minus one and a half games bet that I took before the series started. So, you know, maybe I should be hedging that with Nashville, but I decided I'm going to go the Carolina draw double check. I really, truly think they can end it. They have been carrying the play most of the series uh, and they've got it in them to finish this off tonight. But again, with this game just being somehow every game's been close lately, the two games in Nashville went to overtime. And that's going to be the beauty of this bet, Jimmy. If this goes to overtime once again tonight in Nashville, that bet's won for me as long as it gets to overtime. I'm not going to have to worry about who wins the game at that point. That's the beauty of this Carolina draw double chance minus 230 route uh, that I'm taking here uh, in game six tonight. So uh, that's the way I'm going. Uh, and I like the over as well, five and a half uh, plus 120 uh, in this game tonight. By the way, the uh, Hurricanes, we know Aho, Svechnikov, Taravainen, Trocek and Jordan Stahl with the game winner in overtime. They get all the headlines for Carolina. One of their best forwards, maybe their best forward this year, has been Martin Natchez uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. He's been really good. He's been noticeable. He's been all around the net. Scored a big goal for them the other night. Uh, Marty Natchez of the uh, Carolina Hurricanes keeps getting better uh, and better, uh, and it's been uh, good to see, no question about that. Uh, Steven, uh, trying to uh, uh, rile me up here, saying Preds in regulation. Yeah, the one result I can't afford to have happen tonight. Literally, I can't afford it tonight uh, in multiple ways, Preds in regulation. I hope not. Uh, can you imagine that? I, I go all, all this trouble laying minus 230, and Nashville wins like 2-1 or 3-1 in regulation tonight. That would not make me very happy. But nevertheless, we'll see how it goes tonight, Carolina and Nashville game six. Predators looking to stay alive. Uh, great stuff, Jimmy. That is the Thursday card. A reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, MLB uh, on a daily basis. Lots to choose from. When you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up for an account, you'll get deposit bonus, weekly specials, incentives, and bet boosts. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. All right, Jimmy, just two games, but we got to pick a best bet somewhere. What do you got for us? Best bet tonight. Give me Smashville, baby. Give me the National Predators uh, to win and force a game seven. And by the way, Terry Edelman, a little update for you. The NHL also saying that the game one of the series, if your team advances, the, the winner of the Wild and Vegas Golden Knights will play in Denver at 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday against the Avalanche. All right, there we go. So that's a Sunday night game one. Uh, regardless of who advances with uh, Vegas and Minnesota to take on the Avalanche. So uh, that is confirmed. So uh, good stuff, Jimmy, going with Nashville plus 125. Hopefully it's at least an overtime win for Nashville, and we're all happy uh, in that regard. Uh, my best bet tonight is going to be um, – I don't want to give you a minus 230 price as a best bet. It's honestly the, the bet I like most, but I don't want to use a price like that as a best bet. Let's do, let's do the over in that game. Uh, Carolina-Nashville, uh, over 5.5, plus 120. Uh, I think we'll get enough goals to uh, get that game over the number. And I think fatigue sets in for both of these blue lines in particular. Lots of hockey's been played, multiple overtime games. That adds up over the course of a series that is now in its sixth game. And I think you're going to see maybe a few more defensive blunders and miscues tonight, which could lead to uh, a better chance for the puck uh, ending up in the back of the net. 
for both of these teams. So we'll go with the Hurricanes and the Predators over five and a half plus 120. Uh, that'll be my best bet for this Thursday uh, Stanley Cup playoffs card. And that'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live on YouTube seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, uh, make sure you download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeart. You can find the Ice Guys podcast on all of those outlets. For Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Thursday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Friday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.